down, and we crown you the king. We bow down, and we crown you the king. We bow down, and we crown you the king. King of all kings, you me. All righty. So as a way of recapping, we first learned about the doctrine of condemnation. Who can give me a quick summary <clears throat> about your condemnation? We're all under sin and do punishment. We're all under sin and do punishment. Everybody? Everybody. Even those people who, before they were baptized into Christ and were not under the law of Moses, are under penalty of sin. And it pretty much shows the idea that we all have a law against us, don't we? We have sinned. Uh, and, uh, but something positive has happened. And that is being declared What? Righteous, justified. And uh, the result of that is what we're going to start talking about in chapters 5 through 8. A father shouted at his son, If you fall off that rock and break your leg, don't come running to me. Uh, aren't we glad that uh, with Christ declared justification, uh, we don't have to worry about that. Um, so let's dig into that. Somebody read Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Really big. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, for scarcely for a righteous man will die with one. Yet, perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more... Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. So the aim of the class is to teach what justifying faith brings. So we learned what uh, an obedience of faith uh, led to, or uh, we learned... Um, that it came from um, being declared righteous. We can't earn it. We can't merit it. Uh, but now that we are declared righteous, 
how should we live? Should we live as if we can uh, earn it even more so? Or recognizing that the works we do are works of faith? Um, so as we learned, only through Christ has anybody ever been declared righteous. Uh, whether you are under the law or before the law as Abraham was. But now that we are uh, declared righteous, being baptized in the Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and receiving the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have many blessings. Uh, namely, uh, our relationship with God. So, Chapters 5 through 8 teaches us how should we respond to now being declared righteous. Should we go off and do whatever we want? Or is there a path that we should follow? And that path or that change of life is called Sanctification, and another word for sanctification might be what, or is what? Holiness. Holiness. And uh, God is holy, so we should live in holiness. So, there are basically five results of being justified. Um, One is peace with God. And that's a big topic in verses one through 11. Peace with God. So verse one says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, okay, which means we have been declared righteous, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So somebody tell me, what is peace? No conflicts? Okay. Yes. I was going to use the word agreement, but I'm not sure if that is. Meaning he's in agreement with us? Well, I was trying to think of no conflict is the same idea where you're, you're synchronized, there's nothing between you. I like that. I just was rereading that justified by faith. It's almost like a trial or something. So then we have peace. You know, carry guilt or something. We've gone through the. So it's not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could have peace with my neighbor, but that, does that necessarily mean that I'm on. I'm in sync with him. No, I might just have a really good fence. Therefore, I have peace. But with God, we don't, we're not looking for a good fence. We're looking for that connection. He's looking for the connection. And the peace factor uh, surrounds what? 
our justification by faith through Jesus Christ. And, uh, and it, it sure is a blessing. I like what you said there, um, Mindy. Uh, you brought up guilt. Uh, and I think you said no guilt. You don't remember what you said? <laughs> well, sometimes I suffer with thinking about the things that I've done even though I am justified and prior to being justified by faith, and I still have a little bit of guilt running through me. But does that mean God sees me with guilt anymore? Or the penalty that should come from it? I don't think he sees us that way, but if I see myself as guilty, that seems true. I am guilty. It's absolutely nothing we've done to merit. Even if we fill up holes with bottles, it can't be a meritorious in any way. And, uh, and that's the blessing that we have through Christ. And uh, it's that peace between us and God. Sure, I still feel my penalty is just, and it is. All of our penalties would be just, but what did God do for us? Uh, what did his son do? So this peace comes from an obedience of faith through Christ, which really sounds like we're earning it again, but not really, and that's the distinction do we have a faith in Christ that leads us to an obedient lifestyle? Well, that obedience is the idea of sanctification, leading a holy life. Someone turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Ephesians 2, 14. So uh, if memory serves, the groups that are divided are God and mankind. Uh, he broke down the wall, and now they, were, they are one. But that oneness comes through Christ. Who recalls what 1 John chapter 2, 1 through 6 talks about? I'll give you a quick... Uh, quick um, it's that lawyer concept. Who is our lawyer? Christ the advocate. God has, God expects us to not sin, right? But 
We do, even as Christians. Thankfully, we are continually cleansed, and that continual cleansing comes through whom? Christ. So, have you ever felt like I did really good today, tomorrow, or the day before? I needed to pray a lot because obviously I've fallen and I can't get up. What is John teaching us? What what is the, the concept of this being declared righteous teach us? Does it does it mean you're declared righteous at the moment of your baptism, but that next sin you have just dropped the ball and you gotta be declared righteous again? Yeah, it's um, again that that fights the idea of merit, doesn't it? Now, can we give up our walk with God? I think there's plenty of teachings in Scripture that say we could turn away if we don't repent and come back in our lifestyle. Uh, Well, Romans will later talk about how that's equivalent to being never saved as an enemy of God. So sometimes I have in the past struggled with the idea that I'm not good enough and uh, I need to make up for what I'm not good enough at. Well, that can lead to a lot of angst (laughs) because you're never good enough. What, what was I missing out on? Peace. I was resting out on the reality of the peace that I had through Christ. And uh, so it slowed down how I lived my life or it deviated it in a way that just wasn't <clears throat> Holy. Well, this peace of God also brings us access to God. Chapter 5, verse 2. Somebody read that. Through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt the glory of God. So Bill's version says introduction. Mine says access. The idea behind that is... Have you ever been to one of those royal balls or something like that? Anybody ever had a chance? You've never been invited to the... You've never been invited. (laughs) When you walk into the entrance, if you've seen it on movies or experienced it yourself, what do they usually do? Have a fanfare. Some fanfare what? Announce you. And uh, if you don't have privilege to be in there, what happens to you then? You turn around, see you. Well, that's kind of, that's the idea behind this word introduction or access. It's like we have been, we are being ushered into the presence of royalty. God himself. And of course, we're not physically there yet, but is true nonetheless. 
In what ways do we have access to the Father through Christ right now? The Word. What else? Through prayer? Prayer, definitely. I mean, uh, our prayer is, 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 uh, is, shows us that we have access to God. Hebrews really brings that one out. So we have access to God. Hebrews chapter 4. Somebody read verses 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, and yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we're drawing near. Now in that context, that's like a priest in the Old Testament who draws near to the place of worship to do his duties, his responsibilities, his his closeness with God. So not only do we have access, but we we draw near. We have access. Uh, If you want to use another analogy, think of a safe harbor. Uh, Jesus is that harbor where we take our ship of life. Here we stand, and the reality is we continue to stand, and that's the idea behind the word stand there in verse 2. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and that's a continual concept. It's not I stand once, and then uh, after I've worn out my welcome, i got to get another invitation to come back, but I am there. I have Continual access. Uh, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Which is my next point in chapter 5, verse 2. Rejoice. What do we rejoice in? Hope. Hope. And the biblical definition of hope is what? So the uh, English concept of hope is what? I hope so. Well, that doesn't sound like a firm stand, does it? Confidence. Confidence. Unknown outcome. Yeah, it is a known outcome. I have desire. Well, I want to go to heaven. But the reality is I can have true expectation of that desire because... I've been justified by faith. Is that like what Abraham, you were speaking of, did he go a week ago? Yeah, I think he had, he, yes. So he had that trust factor. That's the concept of, uh, and then it was credited to him as righteous, his, um, his belief. And then he led an obedient faith, uh, obedience of faith life. Never as the text brings out, relying on his own merit to get him in a positive relationship with God, though 
he did make some blunders on, and he always believed that God would make him a people of many nations, though he kind of blundered in how that was going to come about. But either way, he still had faith in God, and he was inclined to live his life that way. So, we boast. My version says rejoice. But it's, a, it's, it's appropriate to say boast as well. Your version may say that. We boast or we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In our merit? No, then again, that defeats the whole topic. But we rejoice in or actively boast in what Christ did. I think back in chapter three, remember we talked about boasting then? There was the boasting that we recognize our sin and we're condemned, that God has this plan set aside that we understand our dilemma. So we should boast or be happy and rejoice that God has let that known so that we can make every uh, effort by faith to come into Christ and be justified. Well, it's negative if you say, look what I did. Oh, yeah. But if you're doing it and boasting for the Lord in what he has done, no, that's, that's righteous. That's not a negative boast at all. That's not negative at all. He has condemned us. We should boast in recognizing that. He has offered his son and shown us that his son is for all people who have an obedient faith in him under whatever covenant they might be under. We should boast in that. We should boast that we're justified by faith in Christ. Boast. And now, as we, our life changes. You ever met somebody who was kind of a rotten person right before they were baptized, they're learning, and then over the decades, they're kind of, have changed, have kind of evolved? Well, rejoice that the power of the word in their life is leading them in a life of holiness from what they were once, kind of like my dad. Uh, not the best example at first. But we also rejoice in suffering. Does that sound very natural? I was expecting something from you there, Rhonda. <laughs> Some of you were read verses three through four. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. So again, that's the same word. Rejoice, rejoice, boast. Uh, maybe, me, to me, the word boast kind of helps me understand that because I'm not very like, whoopee, I'm suffering, as I might think of what rejoice means. But when I think of boast, uh, 
I am rejoicing in something that's leading me to somewhere else. Does the suffering itself lead me, just suffering by itself, does that lead me to godliness? No, but if you have faith, tribulations, tests that cause you to grow. Yes. And in that, we can boast in God's design. Well, you realize the importance of God. Well, there's a lot of examples of that in Scripture. Yeah, there, even in our Just Among Us, uh, we can name off everyone here uh, who, who, who's enduring, who's building character, and whose character is really focusing their hope of what's going to come and what is now. So I guess I can skip those passages that talk about, well, no, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. How did the, the believers in Christ look at suffering? Was it an infringement upon their, their daily life? Like, oh no, here we go again. Or did they see it a certain way? 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. All right. So, in the realm of being a faithful servant of God, when we deal with suffering, and of course, First Peter dealt with more in the realm of actual persecution, um, there's a mentality we have. Uh, that fiery trial, uh, there's positive results out of that. And the positive results we can boast in are what Christ has promised. God has promised through Christ. So we develop patience. We develop an, an unshakable. I mean, we have access to God. Let's stand there. Let's not be shaken, but know in whose presence we really are. Uh, let's learn the lessons when we uh, need to learn the lessons. And let's not suffer because of wrong. But let's uh, if we suffer, let's suffer because of Right. So I think what Dallas said, trials force decisions. Um, how often when we make business decisions and it goes kerplunk, uh, does that situation force us to evolve, if that's the right word, change? Maybe hopefully for the better. <laughs> you guys are smiling but how how similar is that to our Christian life are we going to learn from the things that we go through if you don't you're stupid <laughs> uh oh <laughs> 
stupid is or stupid does. <laughs> well, yeah. And even though we are declared righteous, we still sometimes do the dumb, dumb things continually. Uh, and that might mean, that could mean a couple of things. We're just, we're just. It will be repeated until you find it. Yeah. And when we learn, we're going to go. We make better decisions. We make better decisions. And would that please God? That's why he keeps repeating it. <laughs> That's what they say about preachers. You just, in Scripture, it teaches, reteaches, and reteaches again. And until we, until we, uh, uh, we're done. First <laughs> uh, Corinthians fifteen nineteen. Somebody read that. First Corinthians fifteen nineteen. So we're looking for something grander than what this life has to offer. So verses five through eight, let me read that. And hope does not put us to shame, but cause, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If anything, this peace of God that we have and the boasting that comes from it should even be more enhanced by the love that God showed us long before we even chose to follow him. Even after we were born and has grown up and lived in sin, he still loved us while we were his enemies. That's, that's, uh, that's a lot of love. And the proof of the pudding is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Found in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and other passages. So we don't deserve any of this positive goodness, this declared righteousness. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So we're moving into the concept after the fact. Now we are reconciled. What is our life supposed to look like? He's slowly moving into that and using this first chapter, this chapter five, to lead us into that concept. 
Yeah. Yeah, and, and it goes to the, the passage that talks about transformation. Um, I think he expects it. Do you? I think he does. Uh, now, if I was to say, oh, I can't fully achieve, so why try? Is that an obedience of faith concept? You use the word fully. It might be just growth. Growth. Yeah. So if I'm 90 years old and I just become a Christian, should my growth be the same as somebody who became a Christian in their 20s? And if I died a day later, no. But does that change the the heart of the person who was saved at 90? It shouldn't if they were saved for the right reason. And their salvation is not based on how grand their transformation is, but on God's declared righteousness. However, Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Shall we continue to live the way we did before we became a Christian and say, I don't need to change? That kind of does that kind of lead to a disobedient faith? or an, an active obedience of faith. That might just depend on the situation and the individual. Disregards the gift. Disregards the gift? Yeah. And that, that's not a good place to be. Unrepentant, for sure. So we go ahead. Sometimes I just regret that I didn't, you know, that wasn't younger when I was growing up. Well, I have often found people who are evangelized in their 20s and 30s uh, have a lot more, have a lot of fire and growth in their belly. So, and desire. So I'm, you've done, uh, from my point of view, Pretty well, Lilith. Chapter 5, verse... I am definitely not the one to save you. Um, that's speaking from a human point of view, for sure. But, truthfully, um, you've been a positive example for me. And so, that's good. But, now that we are no longer enemies, let's boast. And our boasting's going to magnify the Father. Magnify the Son, not magnify us, magnify who He is. That might be a good word study in this, in Romans, see if it just goes throughout. So, I didn't get to the rest of the chapter. Um, one of the other aspects of peace with God or of um, sanctification 
uh, is the idea that we escape Adam's sin. And, uh, but once we hit chapter 6, uh, right away he goes in, okay, now you have peace with God, you've escaped Adam's sin, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? And then he starts getting into the idea of we need to grow. We need to grow. You are now dead to sin. You should be alive to God. You should be slaves of righteousness. You've been released from the law. Now you are heirs with Christ. You have a future glory. God has everlasting love. You have life in the spirit. No longer are we talking about condemnation anymore. But... Holiness.